Hello there and welcome to today's episode of In Part Podcast. My name is Pastor George and as always I am delighted to spend this few minutes with you as we break the bread of God's word together. Friends, today we will go uh, continue with the thoughts we've been sharing on the various and the different miracles of Jesus while he was here. My title for this episode is The Eels of Political Correctness. The Eels of Political Correctness. I am going to be reading a scripture out of the book of Matthew chapter 12 from verse 9 to 14. And that scripture will be the canvas on which I intend to paint a picture or extrapolate some thoughts for our consideration today. Let's go if you are ready. Matthew chapter 12 verse 9 to 14. The Bible reads, Now when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand, and they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Then that they might accuse him. Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has a who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man who how much more value is a man than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then, then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. Ladies and gentlemen, before us is a story, um, one that depicts the need and the desire to be, or the temptation to be politically correct. Here we're confronted with a story of a set of rules or laws um, that may have been made in the uh, in this time in Bible story before the um, before the oppressions of Jesus on earth and. From the story we now know, and of course we can read from the story, that the Sabbath was supposed to be a day where there was no form of work done uh, according to the laws that had been given during Moses and to the Israelite nation at the time. Uh, that the Sabbath was to be kept holy. And so in Jesus' time, the Pharisees and the keepers of the law at the time had come to him and they posed a question to him. Now, the Bible tells us that really the intention behind the question to him was to set a trap for him. And so they said, uh, is it lawful? There were leaders in the church to say in the synagogue at the time. And there was amongst them a man who had a withered hand who was handicapped in his hand. And he was a member or he was in the synagogue, and it will appear that he comes there regularly. However, Jesus comes into the synagogue on the Sabbath days, a day supposedly, according to the law at the time, they were not supposed to do any work. It was a Sabbath day and meant to be kept holy. Um, it was a day separated for them to rest and worship God. 
Now Jesus comes in and then they post the question to him and they said specifically, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? On Sabbath day, on the Sabbath, they were asking him a question of political correctness. And they wanted to see if he will be politically correct or, you know, being in conformity with the law. But then the Bible says that this they asked him that they might accuse him. They're trying to set a trap for him. And then, of course, Jesus, in return, out of, I believe, out of the counsel, the wise counsel of God, he posed another question to them. And he said, what man is there among you if he has one ship and it falls into a pit and it happens to be on a Sabbath day? Will he not lay hold of it and lift it out? Uh, it said, of course, how much value is a man than a ship? Of how much value is a man than a ship? And the Bible says that, therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So he said emphatically, and at that point, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man obeyed in response to his uh, to Jesus' instruction. And the Bible says he stretched out his hand and his hand was restored as whole as the other mm. and of course the pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him now the ills of political correctness is what i see here they're trying to stay political correct but in the midst of staying political correct a few things that i see and i'm going to quickly point them out this morning this was happening in the synagogue and today's language will be in the church today's language will be in the body of christ in today's language will be amongst the believers this language will be will be among those who call themselves christians and sometimes we can uh, uh, in the verge of being or staying political correct uh, can throw up or certain things may occur in our midst uh, we might become blindsided not to uh, go against the green but here that what is the import of their question? What is the import? Jesus came uh, not to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law. And in him, introduce us to a new covenant. And here, the way with a man who had a withered hand, seemingly, or not even seemingly, seated in church in the house of God. Yet, because it was a Sabbath day, they were going to deprive him of the benefit of receiving his healing on the day that the one who had the power to heal him had walked into the synagogue and they now they were going to bring up this law to deny him of the opportunity of receiving his miracle. Now, there's a few things that I see there, and that's why it's entitled the ills of political correctness. Number one, it's that uh, the one of the ills of political correctness referencing or using the story in the Bible 
that's a case story is that it can lead to religion with no relationship religion with no relationship. Here you have a man who was coming to the synagogue and it will appear that this was not the first time he comes to the synagogue, he comes to the temple, he comes to the house of God, he comes to the church. Every day or every time that there is a gathering for prayer, he was always there and he this he did religiously, religiously, religiously. The ills of political correctness in this sense can and lead to religion without relationship. A man uh, obeyed and was there religiously coming to the temple. However, uh, the depth of their relationship was revealed. When Jesus shows up and intended to heal the man, here is a man with a withered hand and he's been coming faithfully. But Jesus shows up to heal him and the people were going to throw, spannering the rocks. They're going to become the snag. They're going to be getting the way of him receiving his miracle. The question is, uh, how, the, how, how much of a good relationship did he have with the so-called Pharisees or just leaders of these people? I will think that they were supposed to be looking out for him. That now, even if he was not aware that there was a healer, there was a Messiah, a Jesus in the house who had the power to heal him, even if the man wasn't even there, that out of relationship, looking out for their brother, they would have invited him, even if he wasn't present on that day. And if he was, if he was and didn't know, they would have urged him and brought him to Jesus and even perhaps pleaded with Jesus to heal the man. But this was not the case. You see, the ills of political correctness and Jesus refused to fall into that trap. And so religion without relationship, and we are called to build a relationship with God and not just religion routinely doing the same thing over and over without a depth of relationship with God. And let this be an occasion for you to examine even the depth of your relationship with God. Religion without relationship. Secondly, the, the ills of political correctness can lead to uh, a case of having a congregation with no power. A congregation with no power. A congregation with no power. How could, can you explain the man who's got a weeded hand in church in today's term, in terms, in the temple, in the house of God, in a place of sukkah, a place that they're supposed to receive deliverance, yet he did not have that deliverance. He was amongst the congregation, but it was seen to me, going by the antics, that this was a congregation without power. It was a gathering uh, um, of people with no power, real power to heal. And this is the Bible tells us through the writings of Apostle Paul that the kingdom of God is not just in words, but is in the demonstration of its power. God does not just want to want us to congregate. God does not just want us to gather and stay the same. In the presence of God, the Bible said that there is fullness of joy. It tells us that as we behold his word, as in a mirror, as in a glass, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit. In other words, the more we 
congregate before him, there is supposed to be a transformation. There is supposed to be a change. There is supposed to be a, a metamorphosis, if you would. While our life is supposed to go from glory to glory. We're not supposed to be before Jesus, before the King, before the Master, before the Messiah, before the Lord of Lords, and stay the same. Even though we have done this religiously, it is the, the congregate. This is a congregation that was devoid of real power. And of course, I mean, how would they even have power? Because they were bent and so bent on being politically correct that they did not even have power. So a man could be in this congregation doing the same thing over and over and over again and with no real change, with no real power. This is not God's intention for you. God's intention for you, for you and I, for his children, is that when we encounter him, there should be a transition that happens and there should be a transformation that happens. There should be a change that happens. But he's got the power to heal, the power to deliver the power to set free. So here, the ill of political correctness, one of the ills of political correctness, as seen in the story, it is that they will become a congregation with no power. Secondly, or thirdly, so first is religion with no uh, relationship. And secondly, is a congregation with no power. Thirdly, it is having laws. L-A-W-S, laws with no love. That's right. They had laws. They had laws, but with no love. If they had love, they would not have looked for way uh, to stop this man from being healed. They were more interested in adhering to this law, the kind of law that keeps a man perpetually bound, perpetually in his trouble. The question is, where is the love? And they wanted Jesus to fall into this trap of political correctness, being politically correct. So if he had fallen into that trap, it would mean that this man would have stayed in his condition. He would have adhered to the law. But love, the Bible tells us, covers all things. In fact, the Bible says God is love. Jesus is love personified. He is the express image of God who is love. And Jesus is the display, the demonstration demonstration, the personification of love. He is love personified. For the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, including this man who's got a weird hand in the story, that he gave his only begotten son at the time that everyone will be saved, will not perish if we believe on him. Jesus is that expression of the love of God to humanity. And yet, in this story, you see the the bodily expression of the love of God standing in his person before them. And yet, they were going to use a set of laws to stop him from dispensing what he is. He is a lover. He is love personified. He is the embodiment of love. He is the display, the expression of God's love. And you will know that wherever he goes, he is love. That's his nature. That's his being. That's his makeup. This is who he is. And there's no way it, he will not dispense love. But this congregation that we're talking about in the story, in the synagogue, will have laws with no love. Laws with no love, and that becomes an ill, a 
political correctness if you are not careful in the verge of being political correct or wanting to stay political correct, especially in the house of what amongst people who say that believers or Christians or children of God, we just function well with adherence to the to laws with no love. We're called to love. We're called to show love. When people encounter you, they should encounter love. Okay, number four quickly, it's that they had routines with no change. <laughs> routines, routines with no change. It's much like having religion with no relationship, but they had routines. This was done over and over and over and over, but with no real change. And Jesus confronted that mindset when he posed the question to them, Post the question to them and say, What man is there among you who has one ship and if it falls into a pit on a suburb will not lay hold of it and lift it? Routines with no change. With no change, you were not supposed to stay the same. You're not supposed to encounter Jesus and stay the same. You were not supposed to encounter God and stay the same. So one of the ills of political correctness, uh, using this story as a case point, is that there was routines with no change. What's the benefit and the joy of doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again if it amounts to no real change, no real transformation, no redevelopment, no real enhancement. Uh, this is not the the case. This is not the mind of God for you. The mind and the wish of God for you is that when you come to him, there should be change. There should be should be real change in your life. Evidentially and experientially, it should be seen and that should be your experience. And, and so these are the four ills of political correctness I see from this. Ills of political correctness I see from the story. One in recap is religion with no relationship. Number two is a congregation with no power. Number three is laws with no love. Number four is having routines with no change. Be careful that you don't fall into this cycle or into this trap. And so Jesus said to the man, stretch out your arm. And he did. He opened and the Bible says he was restored. And there it tells me that there is a correlation between restoration and stretching. God desires to heal the man. He said to him, stretch out your arm, stretch it, stretch it, stretching. It's painful, especially if you have been withered for a very long time. If that hand had been withered for this long, stretching can be Painful. However, Jesus negated the pain in a sense. He did not allow the pain, let me say differently, to stop him from challenging the man to stretch out his arm. And when the man did, there was a restoration. So there is a correlation between restoration and stretching. And sometimes for that which you desire, for that which you're praying for, for that which you're believing and trusting God for, it might require God challenging you in certain areas of your life. Maybe perhaps you have become so comfortable and you're sitting in your comfort zone, as we say, and God in a 
be to bring a change, to change the routine, to get you to what you so desire. He will challenge you. And therefore, in spite of the pain or the discomfort, don't let the discomfort fool you because that will only be temporary in the face of a master who desires to heal you and has the power to heal you. And so I will challenge and encourage you. Stretch. If God has given you a word, a challenge that will cause a stretch out of your comfort zone or the place where you become so comfortable in the routines. There is the miracle that lies in your stretching. When you stretch according or in accordance and obedience to his word, restoration is bound to happen. Restoration is bound to happen. Therefore, I say to you in 2024, be on the lookout for the areas in your life, in personal uh, in your personal life where God will challenge you and it will require some stretching. Don't be afraid to stretch. Don't be afraid to stretch. First verify who's asking you to stretch if it is God, if it is Jesus, then my brother and sister go for it. You stretch if Jesus asks you to stretch because with that stretching there is going to be a restoration. The Bible says his hand was restored and made as whole as the other, not just healed, but made whole perfectly well. God is about to do some restorations in 2024, but watch out and listen for the instructions to stretch. And when that instruction comes, go for it and do it and watch how God restores. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I pray you're blessed by this today. I'm going to let you go here. May the hand of God of God rest upon you. May his grace carry you throughout this year. May he continue to lead, guide, and guard you. May his presence uh, forewarn you at all times. And may his angels uh, mount a garrison of protection around you. May you go from glory to glory. May the hand of God usher you and lead you into rooms where you could not have gone into ordinarily, but bring you favor and joy and peace and open doors and no man can close and let him shut doors that no man can open me this year be for you a fabulously glorious year and so shall it be in Jesus mighty name have yourself a great day and may the Lord bless you till I come here again I remain yours truly Pastor George stay blessed